liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it go it requires a fight not tweeting from your phone don't need a king get him off the fucking throne if you're riding with the thought you've always got a home the virus is scared of will come and it'll go the government knows this don't get treated like a hoe Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Liberty Lockdown. Got a truly special guest with me today, the legend, Ian Crossland. Welcome in, man. Thanks, dude. Thanks for having me. I, I'm thrilled to talk to you. Uh, obviously, I got to meet you about six months ago or whenever it was that I was on TimCast, and um, I think that you were by far the most uh, embracing of the bunch. You're just like, you're just one of those people, you know, you, you meet you and you're just like, this is this is my people. So I keep telling everybody, anyone asks like what my experience was like, I was like, Ian, that's the guy. He's he's the best. So um, thank yes. you for giving me some time, man. Definitely, dude. So we were just talking before the show. You were just on an epic journey. Well, I was. Well, what man. happened? What was it like? What would you do? Um, so I, I think you actually know her. Uh, formerly Ashton Witty, now Ashton Birdie. Do you yeah. Know her? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, she invited me to go to Disney World. Um, I don't know if these other people's names are public or not so i won't say anything else but we went to disney world on thursday and then on friday we went to universal and then saturday uh my friend sarah aka liberty thought um <laughs> and uh, a few others uh, gunpowder and vanilla another girl they they all arrived and we went to universal and then we went to tom woods 2000 i got to meet Pequeñones and eric july and michael malice and tom woods and the list goes on and on so it was just a blast i love those people i don't oh. know tom tom's tom's cool that. Yeah, yeah, he's he's nice. I know um, yeah, I mean, er, honestly, I think my I vibe the best with Eric, though. Eric July is just like a legend. So, so cool. I've never been to Disney World. Do you think it's is it worth going? Unfortunately, I went to the uh, whatever the standard park is, and it's a complete duplicate of Disneyland in L.A. So I don't think there's any point there. But there's apparently four parks and three of them are totally different things. So I would highly recommend people check those out. Sweet. And Universal's banger. They they have oh, this yeah. uh they have this uh Harry Potter ride with a motorcycle that is the greatest thing I've ever been on in my life. So like you get on a motorcycle? It feel it it's a roller coaster, but you are sitting on what you think is a motor- motorcycle. So oh, it gives wow. it, it gives this feeling of you like actually being in control of the track. It's it's a blast. If you're on hallucinogens, I can't even imagine how good. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. I've never been to a a theme park or amusement park on on psychedelics before, but I'd love to. That'd oh my god, crazy! It would be amazing. Any, any of these parks. I mean, I had such a good time. Uh, Stone Cold sober. I can't even imagine if I was tripping. It would. It might be too much to be honest. But that would be wild. <laughs> um. So yeah, let's let's hop into it. I I wanted to. I mean, you you are known to be the guy who kind of derails the conversation into the theoretical which i love because that's like that's more my world too um so i wanted to get your your take on i mean not your take i just wanted to kind of bounce ideas off you uh, i listened to your most uh recent youtube video where you're talking about the universe and uh, the concepts about the big bang i've always had this theory ever since i was a little kid that i thought that it was most probable that as stars die, you know how like everything is circular, right? So you have life and death and it's like, why would the universe not have the same thing? So my theory since a very young age has been that when a star dies, creates a black hole, 
the black holes absorb matter around it. Eventually, over eons, you know, like an eternity, you get these black holes that just consume, 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 and then eventually they consume themselves. You basically get to a focal point once again, which restarts the Big Bang, and it's basically a, a massive explosion and then a slow concentration back to a single point, and then it just goes over and over again. Is yeah. that, uh, you ever considered that one? Yeah, that's that's the most, I think the most likely I think is that the universe of what we experience is the big bang is one of like infinite numbers of bang of popcorns that keep exploding open and then pouncing back on themselves and just con right. consistently rubber banding over and over. Yeah. I would imagine that it's, it's like it's everything seems to be fractal and, and um, cyclical. So like that there's a, I don't know that that just keeps happening as you scale up, you keep seeing it over and over again. Do you think there's multiple universes or is it just the one that keeps doing it? Yeah. Multiple for, for sure. I'm going to say for sure, like I know, but I would imagine that <laughs> it's multiple inside of multiple. Oh, interesting. So you, you go like uh, exponential with it. Yeah. Well, uh, what uh, what gives you this level of like certitude about the, the nature of the universe? I mean, it's it's something so, so much bigger than ourselves. I, is it, uh, you know, psychedelic journeys that give you this vibe or is it just deep thought or, or a feeling or what is it? A lot of it is science, uh, our technology that we have like radio telescopes and these electron microscopes and that we can see the frack that like the atom and the, the like the neurons in the brain look like the cosmic microwave background radiation of the universe after the Big Bang. And mm -hmm. you start to see like on the very small scale, it also looks like the very large scale. And then in nature, like what is below is so above is what is so below or whatever that phrase is. Mm -hmm. And I... I, so I, I just imagine that why, why stop myself? Why let my, my finite human mind tell me that there is a, a creator or a, or an end point. It just, mm -hmm. I don't think that there really has to be time. Doesn't seem to have ever begun or end. Just let it, let it, let it exist like that, I guess. Yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, I think that's probably the, the thing that like most convinced me that there is, um, I don't know if I would say a design to all this, but the fact that, you get a very similar um, analysis or an experience if you look at the microscopic versus the macro and you look at the universe and then you look at the, the smallest level and you still get similar patterns and similar designs. And you were talking about how there might be uh, you know, a spiral universe and that's why you have spiraling DNA. I thought that was a really interesting concept. Yeah, there's three types of galaxies, the uh, irregular, the spiral and the cyclic, I think it's called the cyclical or the... Uh like the, uh, the oval galaxy, basically the spheroid galaxy. So mm -hmm. it looks like there's a mass of stars and then they slowly are starting to spin up and then they start to spin up and then become a sphere. And we're like in the middle process of the spinning up or mm. spinning down, but it looks more like we're spinning up. And I wonder if that's affecting our DNA, making everything twist. And we see all these like spirals and cycles and that maybe in other galaxies, it doesn't, the perception, it, it, it's more of a perception of our DNA than what it actually is. Like it doesn't have to twist. It just is twisting right now. Right, right. I've I've always I've always wondered how, you know, because they say that there's galaxies that are colliding right now or, or becoming, you know, super galaxies or whatever they call it. So they have like two that are coming into each other and we can actually witness it right now. And there's so many stars in there and there, there must be so many planets in there. And you just think about like how I mean, it's it's truly too big for me to even conceptualize. But um, how these galaxies come together without there being like catastrophic collisions amongst planets and stars and all sorts of shit. Um, 
the, I mean, just the nature of the universe is so chaotic and yet so beautiful. It kind of, it's a, a macro level of kind of like our micro life style where it's, it's very chaotic, but from, from a distance, it's very beautiful. Do you ever extrapolate it and get in, you know, all woo woo about it? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like fusion. When you watch, I think I just saw a video of two neutron stars colliding and the way they like dance around and then they just they like absorb they like twist into each other right and then it's like one thing dude i just had this dream i was just sleeping earlier today and uh i had this dream of like and i i the dreams kind of faded a little bit now but it was that we're cre we're inside or we're creating like a star within a black hole and it's the vibration of the star inside the black hole that's causing the energy that's releasing the energy infusion it was hmm. kind of vague i don't think I don't know if there was really anything to it or if it was more of just like a fantasy dream. Yeah. But I, I think that we are inside of a, we might be inside of a black hole. So what it looks like everything's going out and, and going away from us, that it's actually it's like coming a, in. It, yeah, the black it's an hole. inverse, but it's our perception because we're inside it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably a weak, a weak explanation of it. There's a, there's like, Science-based scientific theory that we're inside of a black hole it makes a lot of sense, actually. Did I yeah. did I read correctly that you're working on a, a production for a kind of a sci-fi movie? Or did I? Oh, uh, there is one in pre-pro, but it it's been on hiatus for like two years. It, it's oh, okay. a good script too. It, we and it's it's really good. The script is really good. Uh, I've been doing Timcast like, you know religiously daily so i haven't even considered like going off and doing this because it would probably be a couple months of a shoot mm -hmm. but man it's good and the guy that's directing it is incredible i've known him for like 15 years jay howley are you guys are you guys going to try and see it to completion i you know i would love to and i haven't thought of it in a, in a while several months so thanks for bringing it up again yeah i would love to do it i would it was really epic yeah i mean the, the only reason i ask is because uh i'm always interested in people's other you know avenues of creation and things like that have have you always wanted to be a movie maker of some sort um always about since i was about 13 maybe um hmm. actually you know we used to make movies in my with my dad's my dad would like borrow his friend's handy cam in like 1987 and i would make movies with my brother when he was like four and i was seven or eight. right <laughs> and like so we have all these home movies and then i would watch the home movies and watch myself and think like that i was awkward in that this is like when i was a nine or eight and i think like i was awkward there and then i would look at all the moments where i seemed weird on camera and then i would remember what i was feeling when i when i did it and so i wouldn't do it again i would i would act more normal the next time Oh, and like I would see pictures and be like, oh, I look fake in that. I look like I'm making a, I'm trying to look scared in that picture. I'm not actually I don't actually look scared. And so that stuff would register when I was like eight and nine years old. So I took that in and then I kept I was originally I want to be a doc. I just want to help people as a kid. I was like, how can I help the most people on Earth? I thought I'll be a doctor. I'll be like a brain surgeon. And then as the years went on, I thought, actually, maybe I could become like a famous actor and then help people that way. Yeah. So then. I started to go in that direction about age 13 or 14. I did my first play. I did like school plays there about an elementary school, but I did my first like community theater play at the age of 13, 14, I think 14 mm -hmm. Aladdin. I played the narrator. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was kind of cool. <laughs> That's that a bunch of little kids. The beginning and the end of your acting career. You can say that again. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was hot. It was fuck. <laughs> well, I, I, uh, 
I actually got to watch uh, childhood videos of me and my little brother about like during the past summer. And I had always, you know, because I became, you know, such a businessman and so business oriented and kind of lost my, my, my softer side and my kindness, it was really sweet. Cause I, I had never, I had never seen these childhood videos. Uh, I, like I didn't even remember my dad had the camcorder to be honest. So he pops them in there and it's Easter when I'm probably nine and my little brother's like two and, and we're running around looking for the eggs and I'm just, I'm waiting. Like my, they've set up the low ones for my little brother and the high ones for me, you know? And, and my little brother sees one that's up high and he runs over to it and he's trying to get it, but it's too, it's too tall. He can't get it. And I, without anybody asking, I walk up to him and I'm like, do you want help? And he's like, no, I want to get it. You know, just be a little bratty kid. And I go, I go, no, 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 no. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get it for you. Just let me lift you up. And he's like, he's like, oh, okay. And then I pick him up and I get him for it. And my little brother's sitting right next to me and he, he starts bawling. I start bawling. It was like such a touching moment to see that level of like, cause normally it's sibling rivalry, but because of the seven and a half year age gap, it really wasn't like that. I was just like, I just doted over him. So I don't know. Anyways, it's, uh, it's touching me even thinking about it now. Do you have other siblings? Do you I and do your have- brother? Yeah, I do have one other. Um, my dad had another, another uh, son when he was almost fifty. So the age gap is enormous. Oh wow! Uh, but he's twenty now. So 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 then you got into business. Like, at what point did you? What was your like thing in in your teens? And then when you pivoted into business, you said, "Yeah, I was a uh, basically." I've, I've always been very entrepreneurial. I was selling candy when I was in middle school. Yeah, I, was just, I did that too. Yeah. I was always Penny trying to make candy. a buck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was selling Sour Patch Kids for, uh, for 50 cents. And yes. Oh, and, nice markup. Yo, massive markup, dude. It was like, I don't even know, 700% markup or something. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I was stacking chips in elementary school, uh, sold weed in, in college, you know, just trying to like hustle, get a buck anywhere I could. And then after college, I was a sales rep for Verizon Wireless, was like top 10 in the country. Um, but I burnt out really fast. Then I finished college and then I, uh, started working for my family in the mortgage industry. And then I started my own company about eight years ago. And once I started my own company as a mortgage broker, I was managing hundreds of millions of dollars. I had to be, I had to be very professional. I had to be very serious. And fortunately it made me a great living and allowed me to, you know, save and invest and pivot into doing what I'm really passionate about. Thanks to lockdowns. I now get to fucking scream about the government. So that's incredible. That's my whole arc, man. <laughs> it's amazing how the lockdowns might actually be helping a lot of people. I, I think I, so. Yeah, it's, it's really like I think COVID might actually be like protect us against, you know, how like smallpox helped the settlers destroy the Native Americans. It's kind of a harsh right, way of right. looking at it, but <laughs> yes. that the, the COVID might help us destroy an alien race that if right. we ever come into contact with and have some sort of competition with. Oh, I mean, who, it's kind of a wild guess, but. No, no, that's it's I not mean, the worst thing. It's an it's an optimistic spin, but I like it. And and I mean, to your point, what I what I view the lockdowns in particular, not COVID, because I don't think COVID's really the issue. I think lockdowns were, but um, I view the lockdowns as a tremendous catalyst for those that were damaged by them to pursue um, entrepreneurial paths and to become more independent. And especially with the vaccine mandates, now you have more and more people that are being forced to choose are you going to be you know a corporate slave or are you going to find a way to do things on your own and um so in that regard i'm grateful for what what transpired i certainly didn't i wish it hadn't required that catalyst but in hindsight maybe it'll be the best thing that happened yeah there's a tendency for people definitely that the evolution doesn't happen unless it has to 
Mm, and this might be an example of it. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Well, uh, speaking of evolution, uh, what's what's the uh, what's the new studio like? I know you guys just moved in. Oh, it's oh, by, cool. By it's the way, bigger. Tim, Tim Cast IRL is is Ian's a producer over there and uh, co-star, I guess you would say. And uh, yeah, so it's much bigger. What else? Yeah, I don't know if you saw the room when you were here last time. It was my old bedroom, actually. It's it's about the same length as the old studio. I know maybe people listening don't don't have the the visual, but um, sure. there's actually a picture on my Instagram, kind of a wide shot of it, of about three quarters of the room. Uh, but it's nice. We got lights along the edges of the ceiling now, so we don't have like standing lights anymore. Nothing's in the way. Everything's like ready to go lighting wise. Mm-hmm. Um, we have new mic mic stands, which are really, really nice. And uh, another bigger computer setup, more cameras. We have a PBZ, a PTZ, PTZ camera, point tilt zoom. That mm. can be it's automated so it can turn and gets a, a good wide shot of the jam space, which we were just building out today. So we'll be yeah. doing live music one side no of the way. studios. Yeah, it's great. Multiple guitars, a bass. I haven't been up there yet. I'm gonna go check it up after the after this interview. Nice. And then Lydia, so Lydia's got more buttons to push. So I know she's it's a learning experience for her too. Right. And then she said, but the, the pan tilt zoom cameras are really cool addition. So we have a wide shot. Awesome. And the music. And it's got its own bathroom. We have like a, a mini bar in there. It's really cool. You're going to love that, it. That's amazing. Well, uh, yeah. Well, what's the, uh, I mean, how, how long have you been? It's three years now you've been with him? Uh, it was like, no, not quite. Um, I think I came out two. What was, geez, the time is so warped. <laughs> no, no, the lockdown what screwed the everything fuck? up. Dude. <laughs> uh, something between two and three years. About. Okay. Yeah. Uh, What's I came the, out and was work with. We were hanging out and working for a little while before before I ever came out. So then yeah. that was like three years ago or something. Are you are you the? Uh, do you handle the production side of like setting up the video no, and camera and all that? I'm hands off of. I'm pretty much hands off. Okay. It's nice, you know. I had to kind of force myself into the role that I'm in, which is just character on the show, and that's it. And then we're working on a charity. I don't know if you've been following this Open Network Foundation stuff, but we're building yeah, yeah. out the metaverse, yes. the metaverse, which is part of the metaverse, right? Facebook just released an article today saying that they're going balls deep in the metaverse. Like they're, they're bringing, I don't know, 10,000 new employees on wow. uh, European employees to work on the metaverse. Give, give the, the listeners 10, a little explanation of what that is. The metaverse, as far as I am, am looking at it is it's going to be a combination of the future internet 3.0, which is going to be like artificial intelligence, finance, social networking. And wow. I don't know. What else do you got? There's AI, AI, and then the artificial intelligence would take into account like um, augmented reality, AR and VR. So I guess you would have like augmented reality, artificial intelligence, finance, and social media. Those four things wow, uh, are going to combine to create like a virtual living experience where, I mean, literally people may get into pods and their, their vibration, their piezoelectric heat is going to power the, enough electricity to, to make to get their injectable food so they can just lay there and, and produce <laughs> energy for the machine. I mean, the matrix that shit, it looks like that's a real potential. And then yeah, they're just in an like augmented matrix, system. Brother. Yeah. With all the, I don't know what we're, what we're going to do with all these people. And I'm sure that they're thinking the same thing. Like these, True. they call them consumers. Like how do we, right. how do we buy per, for consumers in a post-consumption and like well, a post-industrial if, if your own body heat and energy can produce the nourishment to keep to sustain you then i guess you're, yeah. you're good to go just hop in the pod brother well th- i mean this begs the question if if we know that this is inevitability as as technology Im- Im- improves i mean this is the it's i'm not the originator of this concept i think it was kurzweil but um 
if if we know that we will eventually be to a point where VR is indiscernible from you know what we consider mm-hmm. reality, why aren't we in it already? And how could we know that we aren't? Do do you have a position? The other on that day, one? I was like, I think we're in base reality, but who's <laughs> not? I don't fucking know, <laughs> baby. We're definitely simulate like our our mind is simulating binary code that we think is sound is just this like vibration that's hitting our eardrum and then it's being basically you know deciphered in this code form so maybe we're in some sort of machine but it seems like because you feel pain and i know you could have haptic feedback chest pieces in in virtual reality where it feels like you're getting hit but you're still getting hit in the third dimension to feel it so because we feel pain and live and die i think that this is like a base reality and that we're building on top of it Mm -hmm. um elon i think at one point said if we if we're going to build technology to that point then it's probable that we already did. But I find that logic fallible. I don't think just because it's possible means that it's probable. Mm -hmm. So I I, I just assume this is base reality and that we're building the simulation on top of it. Well, if it's not base reality, we are in a tremendously advanced simulation because I I struggle to see the code around me. Um, I mean, the, the only evidence that people have presented that I've thought was kind of plausible is they they found some sort of like code in something that was outside of the uh, the you know Earth, and it was I can't even remember the story. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, not know? that one. Okay, mm-hmm. the Fibonacci hey, I mean, sequence is interesting. Hey guys, on this show we value personal liberty, self reliance, and taking action. There's a lot going on right now that we can't control, but we can control the actions we take in our daily lives. Thank goodness. Our new liberty-loving sponsor, Lever Gear, creates premium quality tools and accessories that are easy to carry and multifunctional so you can get more done in your daily life. When you're on the go, you don't always have time to run and get your tools. Lever Gear's Toolcard Pro is a credit card-sized multi-tool that slips into your wallet, or you can use it as a money clip. The tool cart has 40 tools, including wrenches, screwdrivers, metric and inch rulers, pry bar, cord cutter, cat can opener and of course a bottle opener you drunks out there the tool card pro weighs just one ounce and it's tsa compliant so you can take it anywhere it's made in america from heat treated stainless steel so it's super strong and corrosion resistant you'll be confident knowing you have the best card tool on the market this thing is awesome seriously it's the perfect gift for gear junkies even if it's for yourself you really have to check this thing out get your tool card and be prepared to get more done at levergear.com again it's levergear.com listeners of this show can use code liberty to save 20% off their first order again it's levergear.com that's kind of a code have you seen sure. that yeah 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 they um uh when you look at space time and you know how in that diagram of einstein space time there's like a cone like a like a it's like on a trampoline and it's something with gravity gets in it like the mm-hmm. trampoline is pushed down. And then mm-hmm. if you look at it from above, like a flat plane from above, things that fall into the cone of gravity fall in, they spiral down in like a coin going down one of those funnels right. and they go in at the Fibonacci sequence. Right. So it looks like space time's being opened, like pulled open. And then it, life is growing out of it at the Fibonacci sequence, but it looks like it's going backwards or something right. like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and then you have, you have sound waves and you have, um, I mean, even the Fibonacci sequence in, in uh, like flowers and in, in nature and wildlife. And it, it definitely makes you feel as if like, I don't know, I don't know whether that means there's a programmer or if the, you know, the program wrote itself and you have, but you still have, you have to conclude that there is, there is some sort of um, design and pattern, but also it, there's art and music that comes with it, but there's still mathematics 
that are involved in it. And that shit just, I don't know, makes me uh, want to smoke. Dude, ah, yeah, me too, man. We should smoke salvia and experience this. I haven't done it in a long time. <laughs> Have you it. ever smoked? That's when I started <laughs> to see the Matrix grid. For, the, bet, for one of the only times I've really, I've never smoked DMT through to the to a breakthrough, but with yeah. salvia, I saw like the grid and I saw it twisting, like like the the the, uh, <laughs> the galaxy was twisting it or something, and I felt like I was being twisted with it. <laughs> Shit was <Well>, nuts. <laughs> um, so what what is uh, like we were talking about evolution before? What do you what do you see as the evolution of Timcast IRL? Are you guys? I mean, it seems as if you're you're becoming kind of the go-to spot for uh, oddly uh, of the past year for libertarianism. Is that an intentional path or is that just because we're starting to take off and you guys are, are seeing that? So, or, I mean, what, who's, who's doing this? Who's, who's whistling? Uh, that was a guy, <laughs> that was an old guy, Alfred, you used to do theater with would say that. <laughs> who's whistling? Um, I, I think it's just for me, it's like an, and I don't want to like preach, but I think, I don't, I don't like political labels and shit. Like I don't say I'm a libertarian with a big, I just think, right. you know, individual um, liberty and like, like uh, letting a crowd like kind of find its own path is better than trying to find a path for a crowd. It seems mm. to be, it seems to be like historically, it seems to work that way. The United States was kind of built that way. Sure. Um, and I find that when you have centralized authority, trying to like i used to i you know co-founded minds.com my the social network and i was one of the admins on the site for like five years i would sit back and try and make decisions about what was okay and what wasn't and it's hell on earth to try and make those decisions right. um i feel like the individuals need to make those decisions on their own and uh, so i like giving people the tools to kind of make those decisions and empower their own reality as opposed to try and empower it for them wow also, it's, it's, it takes a lot of effort to try and pre-plan and centralized, uh, you know, central planning is, is exhausting and requires like some sort of overlord, whether yeah. it's human or not. It's so such a I, waste of resources, too. It really is, dude. And people, it's like you need that individuals need that sort of resistance of creating their own path to grow in nature. A tree needs wind or it will fall over. It needs mm -hmm. and humans need to to try and fail and to to build and, and, and crumble. And otherwise it's just going to become weak and, and lame and impotent. That's a great analogy. I'd never thought about that, but you're right. That if the tree didn't have wind, it wouldn't grow strong. You know, it has to have these micro cracks and, and continue to rebuild and same with human beings. That's an interesting concept. Mm -hmm. And gravity. We need that. That resistance of gravity is incredible. At right. least we seem to need it. I'm sure we'd develop in a different way if we were out in space. Of course. The whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if that really answered the question you were asking. Though. <laughs> it was interesting as fuck, like, regardless. How does Tim Cast fit into it all? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm just curious because it seems as if you guys have really lifted a lot of the libertarian spheres it's, votes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised that libertarianism isn't more popular on me, too. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, it's so it's so cool. I think Gary Johnson, maybe he. I like him a lot, but he, he kind of like when um was it 2008 i think or was it 2012 2012 it looked like he got totally disillusioned by the system like he he saw like oh this machine is bigger than the five of us on stage right now and mm -hmm. there's some sort of concerted effort to give those guys some airtime and, and completely ignore me so he just started like making fun of it all and then right. people were like ah libertarianism is a joke but like i'm i don't know i maybe because it's not it's not like authoritative and right 
maybe it's not authoritative enough. Maybe you do need a more of a balance of that. Well, I that's a lot of, that's an uh, unfortunate observation I've had to make over the past 18 months is that discovering that probably the majority of people on this planet prefer to be controlled during a time of crisis, you know, like that, that concerns me a lot. It, it definitely highlighted how different my disposition is from the average. I mean, at least an American, I, I don't know about the rest of the world, but I, I had always believed that Americans were the most liberty oriented. And during a time of crisis, they would say, we will band together of our own volition and we will, we will come to each other's aid and we will stay home or we will mask up or we will do whatever it takes to get through this, but we will do it of our own volition. That's not the case. Not anymore. People want a strong man, dictator type, um, not, not people. I mean, but uh, I'd say a majority do. And, uh, and that's pretty disturbing. Did you, do you disagree or what do you think about? The- no, I think that's pretty accurate. Um, for fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know, like in war, you don't have five commanders in a squad. You have one. And right. that's a, a drastic necessity for pivoting and moving a, a group of people fast. You just put your faith in one of them and then let mm-hmm. that person. And it doesn't have to always be the same person, but it, at some point it's just got to be one guy or girl that is like calling the shots. And maybe it doesn't have to be, but war is pretty, pretty, a pretty good tell of what is necessary to survive on this planet in this reality right now. Yeah. And um, as that, has worked in war. And of course you have decentralized authority where you give smaller groups command of their thing and then of their thing. And they can then dictate smaller groups within groups and then give central. And, you know, Napoleon kind of was really good at showing the world that, that uh, the core system where he would give basically a ultimate command to the lower ranks. And then they would split all to ultimate command mm-hmm. until the, the greater leader. So yeah. I maybe 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 we do need that until I don't know unless we have some sort of neural net and there's like a Borg like structure. I can't imagine that that would be better necessarily. Yeah. Well, I think maybe. I think my problem with it is is not that there's a singular leader. The problem is the the methodology by which the hierarchy is structured. So like Anthony Fauci, why the fuck is he the guy? You know, like I didn't vote for his ass. He's been in power for 40 years or some shit, just fucking everything up forever. And, <laughs> and it's it's disconcerting that this guy who presided over the AIDS epidemic didn't do a great job, um, you know, has a bunch of financial interests when it comes to vaccine manufacturing, things like that, has a bunch of uh, uh, tenuous history with the, uh, the the funding of some research that I'm not allowed to talk about. Um, and then he presides over what I think is a very... Uh, bizarre response to a virus that isn't that lethal and just overall you know basically what i'm saying is i don't mind hierarchy i don't mind listening to experts what i mind is when an expert who i disagree with is shoved down my throat and and i feel like that's that's really the big problem is that our system our system of establishing hierarchy is so perverted and corrupt that now you have really bad uh, singular leaders. Yeah, and- I agree. I don't mind authority either. Functional authority is incredible and it's streamlines and smooths things out. But one of the big problems, and then you look at like Pareto distributions of, mm-hmm. of like systems and you almost always have a very small a Pareto distribution is like a bell curve, a very, very small amount of excellence at the top, as well as mm-hmm. the bottom, very, very small amount of terrible. And then most people are in the middle. So that excellence is tends to lead, but a big problem is wealth, the way money, particularly that it's passed down. So 
at the very top of the Pareto distribution of money, you have kids that were born into it that aren't necessarily the best at what True. they do. And oftentimes not because it's very rare that you get the best at the top. There's very smooth. So a lot of the people that are in a positions of authority are very rich because the money came from their family before and they're, they're not necessarily good at what they're doing. That's fucked things up in a big way. Currency money is not like always been. It was, it was a technology that was invented, you know, I don't know, 10,000 years ago. Well, it's probably been around for longer than that, but it didn't always, it's, it's a technology that was invented and will probably be become obsolete at some point. I would imagine with fusion power and atomic printing and stuff where you can like make water print out of the hydrogen and oxygen in the air, print your oil out of the carbon in the air and whatever you need, or the atoms in the, you know, in the air or the vacuum or whatever. So maybe we'll, we'll move away from, from wealth distribution. I, cause I'm not into like the government coming in and taking people's money and giving it away either. Sure, That's a bit, sure. I, I've never seen that really work. Not that it never has worked, but I've never, right. I've never seen it work. I think, I think when they do like debt recall and stuff that where they're like, okay, in two years, we're going to, the U S dollar is going to be worth zero. So you have two years to come and turn all your U S dollars in and get the new currency. Mm-hmm. But I don't, that's still not really taking people's wealth and, and giving it no. spreading. It, I mean, you see it in communist Soviet right. communism and it was terrible. Yeah. Well, the, the problem is, is that, you know, uh, the, there's always going to be some net or not net. There's going to be some positive impact of taking money and putting it somewhere else. Cause you're going to do something with it. So like you can have, examples of like the space race and we went to the moon and look at what our taxes did and then the foundation for the internet and al gore saying that we wouldn't have the internet without uh you know darpa or whatever the fuck so you know you can you can see some positives that come from robbing people blind but the on net i think it's obviously a negative i mean you also have to include all of the wars and the hundred million dead over the past hundred years which is a product of taxation which you probably couldn't have had those wars without it so um, people, people are unfair on both sides. Libertarians will say nothing good comes from taxes. And I, I think to a large extent, they're correct. However, it's wrong. I mean, clearly some good things do come from taxes, uh, but it's on net, I think is the real problem. And I think that if you allow people to have their own decision-making and keep more of their wealth and you get a much more beautiful human experience, I think that that's the, the, the concept of the free market and capitalism is if you allow people to try and earn a profit, I don't actually think there's anything wrong with profit incentive. I think it's a very human, humanistic, uh, you know, drive driver. It certainly has made me do a lot of things that I probably wouldn't have done otherwise. And and it's, you know, it's benefited the world. So um, are you, you always, when, when you start talking about money, you sound um, less libertarian. Uh, do you have any influences that got you there? Well, like you, I was an entrepreneur as a kid. I used to buy penny candy over at Alfredo's and then bring it back and sell it outside of my house for like a nickel. So it was love, five, I love it was hustle, five times. Yeah, it, dude. I tried to do it in middle school and then the kids told the teachers that I was doing it and they were like, you can't do it anymore because one, ex- one of the kids tried to extort me and I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not giving it to you for cheap. And so he told <laughs> the prince someone and I, they, they were like, no more, no more Ian. Um, I love profiting. I got, I got, I got Sunday school for that shit. That was brutal. They gave me a warning. Thank God. And I didn't push it. Did you keep, did you push it? Did you just keep saying, Uh, fuck it. I'm taking it. Yeah, I think I did. I think I got a warning and then I think I got a suspension and then I did it one more time and I got Sunday school and I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm done. Fuck that. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck that shit. I was like, Uh, I was like, I'm, I'm learning business right now. Like you should be thrilled that I'm doing this. 
I love profiting. I think it's fantastic to take water from somewhere where there's a lot of it and then take it somewhere where there's not and then sell it to them and make a little bit of money for your effort. Make a lot, however much money you think that you can get for it, whatever, sure. as long as you're not hurting people. I mean, as long as you're not like holding people's needs away from them, which does start to happen in capitalism, which is why we build government to, you know, make sure we break up monopolies and, and socialize things like the water grid and like the electric grid so that no one's like holding it over someone's head. Mm -hmm. um, but the problem is when someone is born into so much money that they and they're that they own everything before we even begin. Like if we were all starting like a video game from the, the beginning where we all had equal amounts and then it was like, who's going to win? I can win that stuff. But when I'm born into like a lower middle class family mm -hmm. and someone owns all the houses in the city around me and it's some douchebag like, well, what kind of fucking system is this? Like, this right. is obviously gone wrong at some point. I agree. I think I think that's more a product of, of the, you know, the fucked up hierarchy thing that I was talking about earlier is that, you know, a, a healthy capitalist system allows for failure. You know, it allows someone who does terrible investment decisions to eat shit and to go from the highest echelons to the low. And we don't have that anymore. And that's that's why libertarian philosophy, I believe, is correct, that you should not be bailing out banks. You shouldn't be giving corporate subsidies. Like the, the whole reason that people now despise capitalism, especially the young people in this country, is because of what you just described. They feel as if it's hopeless. They feel as if they have no opportunity to rise from the bottom to the top. And they're not wrong to a large extent. It is very fucking challenging because if you get to the highest level, you become politically tied and then the politicians will bail your ass out no matter how fucking reckless you are with your investment. Um, so I think that's that to me is the bigger problem or that's like that's the core problem. Um, but it's certainly a problem, like no disagreement. Yeah, the core problem of today. In the past, I guess with Rockefeller and with uh, Vanderbilt, you saw the core problem in the complete opposite direction where there was no government oversight. One guy built all the railroads and controlled all the transport. And like, then the government needed to step in and be like, hey, it's not good for one person to own all the oil and be able to stranglehold right. anyone that needs oil now because it's become part of the commons. With social media, we see it. Like I, we're on a phone call right now, but if Verizon or... The ISP was like, I don't like Clint. I don't like Ian. And they, they wanted to control my ability to communicate. Like mm -hmm. that's impeding on the first of my first amendment rights in a lot of ways. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it can be bad. If, if the currency system as we have it with money can be balanced ever. It's like, it's a pendulum swing. And before it was like no one, no government oversight. And now it's too much government oversight that they won't allow failing like they wouldn't allow them to to fail before or they wouldn't they wouldn't force them to fail before i guess is a better way to look i don't know how you i don't know how you look at it if that's a like well, did see, they make I, rockefeller fail on purpose or did they you see i don't probably, i don't I, I view it a little differently because i i don't think that it was ever the case that these guys got to be monopoly structures without um you know being in politically connected to a that's large extent. for real yeah that's true you know so so like i can't i I mean, I get your point, but at the same time, I don't think it was truly the Wild West. Like, for instance, you have these big boys that are Rockefeller Center. Like, these guys were responsible for basically the the foundational um, body politic or the uh, the political structure of New York City. Like, these guys had enormous political power. And anytime you have, like, for for instance, the 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 bullshit show that we've been watching over the past month where they or the past couple of years really where they drag in social media people like zuckerberg or whatever and they hold his feet to the fire going no you're spreading disinformation and we're going to break you up unless you you know censor people more it's just it's all it's all to me it's all a show like 
Facebook makes billions of dollars off of their relationship with the government. The government then gets to tell them what to do. And, and on, on the surface, it looks as if you have a regulating body that is coming in and trying to look out after the people. It's nonsense. I don't buy any of it. I think that they're, they are all in cahoots. Every politician is, is indebted to social media because they, they suppress their political opponents and vice versa. So it's just, it's, it's amazing sick, how many subscribers the U.S. politicians get on Twitter. That's fucking crazy to me that you'll see 3.2 right. million. I'm like, who is this guy? And he's got three and a half million. Like, what? And now he's going to retire. Maybe he's going to retire. Maybe he'll be 90 and still be. But he's got three and a half million. He's like a superstar now because he was in politics, like yeah. in the government making a salary. It's very unhealthy. <laughs> it's 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 very weird. That's not that's not how a society is supposed to be structured. We we should not be lionizing people that I mean, it's supposed to be like a fucking weekend job. It's not even supposed to be a full time job to be. A yeah. Politician. Ben Franklin didn't want to pay anybody. Oh, yeah. Or pay him like 10 bucks a month or something. I don't know. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. I understood that it took a lot of their time back in the day where they had to ride to Washington, D.C. But yeah. now you can do it remote on Zoom. Yeah. They can get on a Zoom call and fix figure it out in in two hours and they're going to be famous for it they're gonna they, they get their social currency for it i don't know why we're paying them but then they're yeah. going to get still get bribed so the representative i'm done with representative democracy at this point i want to like a direct represent representation more mm-hmm. of a direct republic where yeah. instead of having 400 and i don't know 30 representatives that we have now that we vote in then they all get together and say yes or no mm-hmm. that each each constituency of seventy thousand people would say yes or no, they'd do a vote and the majority would say yes or no. And that that would go to their representative, which would right. no longer be a person. It would just be a yes or no vote. And then you yeah. see 430 yes or no votes. So then you can't bribe the votes. And if you want to bribe the constituency, that's 70,000 people you got to bribe. Right. Good luck. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that's a great concept, except for when you have a, a kind of a toxic culture where people no longer value, um, not, not, nobody but to a large extent because of this kind of marxist education that people have been receiving where it's like uh, well if i can vote to get more from the government i'm the answer is always yes you know for a, a certain subset of of the people here and i'm not sure once you get to that i'm not sure that you can have democracy at all which is why i am personally an anarchist i think that it would be better if we didn't have a federal government and we if we had any government at all it would be at the very very micro level um what are you opposed to that? Would you still prefer to have a federal level defense and things I, like that? I like I was just thinking earlier about Bitcoin and how I like uh, this decentralized kind of less authoritative currency system where it's not being doled out by a Federal Reserve. But the problem is if one guy gets control of 51 percent of the Bitcoin or 30 percent and then wants to sell 29 of it tomorrow and then everyone panics and starts selling, selling, selling and the price drops and then he buys it all back up plus five percent or plus eight percent. Mm-hmm. Right. And then in two months, he does it again, which is basically what's happening when you see the entire two trillion dollar market go down to one point six and then back up to two point two, then down to one point four, back up to two point five. Right. And like, yeah, it's almost every three months. You know, it's like fucking clockwork. It's it's been happening for like two and a half years. Yeah, Uh, I think they're I think they're definitely scalping. and, And but again, this goes back to my point about how. Even even these new industries like cryptocurrency, these guys are because it's it's um, regulations are being rolled out. If you think that Janet Yellen or whoever the secretary is right now doesn't have relationships with these big hedge fund boys that are, are starting to dip their toes. I mean, they're manipulating the fuck out of this market. Um, ultimately, 
I still would prefer that over the fiat market because at least there's a limited supply. You know, like that, that is an improvement. Um, there's the capacity for, uh, I wouldn't say anonymous transactions, but much, much better hidden than if you're usually using uh, conventional banking. So like, it's a step in the right direction. I'm not sure it's perfect, uh, but I, it gives me a lot of hope. I mean, it's probably the biggest white pill that I have right now is that people are genuinely starting to realize that paper money is, uh, is not the way. Yeah. I'd like to see everybody get their own cryptocurrency, like with the social security number. And then I would be like, Hey, subscribe to my channel. Uh, it's $10 a month, but if you pay an Ian coin, you get 10% off. So I create I a market it. for my own token based on my value to society. Yeah. And then we could trade and I'll be like, well, I'll trade you two Ian tokens for two Kurt tokens. And then we each get a discount when we subscribe to each other. Right. So there's immediate value. Uh, that would be awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, it seems doable. All you need is a, is a blockchain. Um, I mean, you would just have to have a, a wide enough adoption so that you would still have uh, enough nodes running to like verify the transactions, but or, or if yeah, or Blockchain's if you just pretty, yeah, or if you just trust that the person who has the coin is is a good person and they're not going to you know screw people. I don't yeah. know. Blockchain's pretty slow. I've been having a lot of problems with it lately. I try and on mines you can take your tokens from mines and then right. move them onto the blockchain and it's like eighty bucks just to move them online and Ethereum gas. It's completely untenable at this point. I like the IPFS, the interplanetary file system. Seems like another, another vibe. But there's a thing called a lightning chain. But at this point, I'm kind of uh, looking at that stuff from outside. Like I hear yeah. a lot about it, and I, I kind of hear talk to developers about it. But yeah, I'm, I don't I'm know far. I'm far from an expert. I it's you know, it's funny because you know I am an expert in money and in investing, but I'm a complete fucking novice when it comes to the cryptocurrency space, which is really just the next evolution of the old money system. But I'm an expert in this shit that doesn't matter anymore. It's like, fuck. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to catch up. You I, I honestly didn't even know that you were a, a co-founder uh, with with Mines. That's incredible. It, what was how did you get into that? What was the, the backstory there? Uh, it started in 2006 when I was making I started making YouTube videos. I was an actor in L.A. And then mm -hmm. I was like, oh, you this is cool. YouTube. Well, actually, what I was like, I want to make videos. I had like this Jesus kind of epiphany with my girlfriend. We'd be sitting and hanging out and talking. And I'd be like, read the four agreements, this great Toltec wisdom book about like communication and, and not taking anything personally, not assuming anything. And I wanted to share the wisdom with my friends. So I started making videos on MySpace and like sending them to my friends, but MySpace videos wasn't very good. It was too slow. So I started making YouTube videos and then embedding the YouTube video in my MySpace blog and then sending that to my friends. And then people on YouTube started responding in the comments. I was like, what? It's like a social, it's like people are here listening. And so yeah. I started to make more videos, talk, interacting with people. And then it really, from like 2000, from like June, 2006 to October, 2006, it just fucking catapulted. And I was awesome. having like thousands of subscribers um, and started to make friends with all the YouTubers in the early days. And we started having gatherings and going to these things. And Bill, the founder of Minds contacted, he saw my YouTube videos and contacted me about 2009, I think, or 2010. He was like, hey, you want to come out and build a social network with me? At first, I, I thought, why? It, we already have Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Why, why build another one? I didn't realize at the time the value of free software. I had never really studied the free software movement and open mm -hmm. source software, Richard Stallman, all this stuff. So I went out. I was like, yeah, whatever. I didn't have much going on in my life at that point. I was kind of burned out. And uh, I went out to Connecticut and then started working at mines. And then I started learning about like, oh, I see. Now, if we're going to build like a, a, a reality on Mars, if we're going to build the future of humanity 
software wise, it's got to be free software. These companies are going to continuously make the code private and profit off of like past past work. Like I don't, I'm not a big fan of residuals anymore. I can't stand people sitting there doing nothing and getting paid for it. it it's really obnoxious. Yeah. Well, um, that's actually that's actually a libertarian concept. The uh, Stephen Kinsella is a huge advocate about ending IP protection. So he wants all that shit done. Away. Oh yeah, I keep hearing about Steve. I got to meet him. Yeah, we yeah. should have him on the show for sure. I, I think that oh, guy's yeah. legit. I could, I could, I could set it up for sure. Uh, awesome. And uh, I got into it that way with Bill. Basically, we started started small. We're living in New York City. Uh, I was homeless for a while because we didn't. I didn't have any money, but it wasn't like taking a paycheck for a while, making like two hundred bucks a week or something. So I was sleeping in the car, sleeping at friends' houses, and it's still funny. Cause like now it's like a multi-million dollar company, but I think of it, it still feels like the, a baby, you know, how probably yeah. with people with their kids, when they see their kids all grown up, they still see the baby and the kid. Yeah, yeah. That's how I feel with mine. <laughs> that's, that's cool. It was uh, so cool though, to implement a lot of these ideas and libertarian ideas, like into the social media. So yes. like decentralized currency and like giving the individual control of their, of their finances and stuff like that. Right. Well, what, what is it that, that prevents, one of these open source companies from supplanting Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Well, if you, is it just if time, you, time, if you remove time from the system, then there's nothing stopping it. But if right now it's, uh, it's kind of like the idea of the monopoly. Like when you're born and one guy owns the entire city, how are you going to now own, take the city from him when the system is set so that his money stays in his family forever. Right, right, right. Like right. the code, if the code stays in their hands forever, how do you, how do you beat it? Cause we would try and build like Facebook quality software, but we were about eight years behind. And every year we would build, Facebook was already so big. They could get, build more than a year's worth of content in a year. So they'd be like 14 years ahead of us after year right. one, and then 22 years ahead of us after year two. And now, like I, earlier, we said Facebook just hired 10,000 people to work on the metaverse where I have five people working on it. Sure. Uh, and so I think you need to free the software code. I think that's personally, I look at it as like, I don't want to go in there and break up Facebook with the government and be like, no, you, you now it's got to be Facebook Prime, Facebook Messenger, Instagram. I don't know what else they have. Oculus uh whatsapp like those are all companies that facebook owns break them all up into five new companies and zuckerberg can have a little bit of all those that's what they did with standard oil there's a lot of bullshit going around in terms of employment people trying to shove government mandates down your throat as a condition for earning a living it's time to expand your personal freedom and increase your opportunity surface so that you can find employment that aligns with your values and be free from being jerked around by a bunch of crappy policies that you don't agree with Go to crash.co, sign up for free, get the daily job hunt in your inbox every single morning, information, inspiration to help you enhance your career. And there's a whole bunch of free member benefits you get as a subscriber as well. Check it out, crash.co. Thanks for listening. Yeah. And Rockefeller got ri way richer after that because he had stock in all these new companies and then he had even more of a kind yeah. of a, a, a tentacles. So I don't think that would work with Facebook. I, but other than that, so it's like free. If a, if a social network is making 100 million or a, a billion users per day, free the software code so that other smaller entities can can create identical versions of the website and interoperate them. And mm -hmm. then it'll come down to who has the best terms of service. Because yes. I can't imagine someone there's going to be any competition about who has the best code at this point if we let the companies keep private the, the, this common code that's being used. 
Yeah. So it's, I, I think it should be a market of, uh, of terms. Yeah. That could I, give smaller I, companies an opportunity. That would be phenomenal. I, my personal preference would be that you basically make it so that any social media company that accepts any funding from the government through CIA contracts, you know, like dark contracts that we're not even supposed to know about. We should have laws that say, if you do that, you have to honor the first amendment. You have to honor free speech rights. You can't, you can't be basically a, a, a governmental entity masquerading as a, a, as an entirely private one. I think that that's a huge problem. I mean, when you have, cause we all know Twitter and Facebook and these people at Google, my God, Google, the, the amount of money that they're making via government contracts and, and backroom dealing, like I'll never know the truth of it or the extent of it, but it's significant. I mean, it's and massive. Google's owned by Alphabet, which I right. would have owns like X, which is their like technology, secret technology company. Uh, I fuck if I know how right. tentacled the government is in that thing. Yeah. The, the problem with having a in my that I would think having the government tell a company you have to abide by the US First Amendment is that the company then will have a hard time operating in other countries. And because true they don't have first amendment rights. And then, so then they'd have to cut off access to the rest of the world in order or, or, to operate or, in the U S or, or those, I mean, you could still have different um, I mean, cause they have different code and different terms of service for different countries already. So you could just make it so that only this only applies to American users. I'm just saying, if you like, you still have the option of saying, I'm not going to take this government contract. I'm not going to take, I'm not going to give private data to the CIA or, or uh, the FBI and in which case, okay, regulate the fuck out of me or, or censor the sh- shit out of me. I don't give a shit. But if you're going, you can't have both. Like, I just, I just think it's like, you're basically a government entity if you're taking enormous amounts of my taxpayer money, and then you're also nuking my account because I said something bad about a politician. Like, it just can't be both ways. They're, they're basically getting it coming and going. And as long as that's the structure, I think we're, we're in serious trouble. But it, mm-hmm. at, the sa- at the same time, it opens the door to companies like Mines and a and other people that are uh, Odyssey, you know, these other companies that are really revolutionizing and changing the game. And I think that over time, as you said, they will prevail. It's just in the interim, will society collapse? You know, <laughs> like, that's my concern. Yeah, society as we know it, if it's based on U.S. fiat. Who, dude, I've been thinking a lot about inflation lately. I'm sure me too. a lot of people have. What the yes. fuck? <laughs> it's I- concerning. When I think of the word currency, I think of electricity, like current, mm-hmm. you know, you're running currency through a, a machine like that's the future of currency, I think, is who's got the electricity? Where is it coming from? Mm-hmm. Can you power your home? I don't know if, if you think about it much, but like, I don't really think about the electricity I use every day. I try to give thanks and praise to the, the electricity because yeah. fuck, if without electricity, that's what what is money for? Like they're going to be I'm wondering this, too. Is it possible that right now a Bitcoin can buy you? 25,000 loaves of bread, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and so if, if the US dollar inflates 10 times, then the Bitcoin will be able to buy $250,000 worth of bread. But yep. then, or a Bitcoin can. But then what if someone, what if the bread makers decide, you know what? Bread's more valuable than money. We'll sell you bread for uh, one loaf of bread for half a Bitcoin. And then would that just, if they just completely ignored US fiat all of a sudden and they're like, Bitcoin's the new currency and a half a Bitcoin gets you a loaf of bread, a Bitcoin will get you a Big Mac. Will that just like, who really controls the market? Is it it's the people that make the food and the electricity and the water? 
to some extent, but they still need other goods too. So, I mean, you would still have a supply and demand mechanism by which the, the exchange rate, because like you would still have competition. If there's not a, a monopolized bread maker where there's just one guy who has all of the bread, he can't really set the price because you're going to have someone undercutting him. So like you would, you would probably get a market equilibrium that is relatively reasonable because there are only 21 million Bitcoin. You couldn't possibly charge a half a Bitcoin for a loaf of bread because you'd only be able to get, you know, 42 million loaves of bread. <laughs> you know what I mean? If there were, as there are infinite numbers of currencies with infinite numbers, social uh, cryptocurrencies rather. True, true. Could you yeah. then, is there, because this just appeared in my mind a week ago and I haven't really talked to anybody about it, but is it possible that the US dollar becomes basically infinite, infinitized and useless and then people start working purely in crypto and then they start, they just completely devalue the crypto and say, no, we're going with, 10 Dogecoins gets you a loaf of bread. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, no, it's, it's certainly <laughs> possible that Bitcoin doesn't win out. I, I right. Think, yeah. That, that we think Bitcoin will always go up, up, up. And if the US dollar inflates, 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 the Bitcoin is going to go up, 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 up. But like, what is Bitcoin there to buy you is goods. So the, the goods aren't getting more valuable. They're just going to be the same value all the time. So sure. like at some point, is Bitcoin just going to plummet, plummet from like $100 million to like $6? What the fuck well, is the a dollar? Yeah, the, the Bitcoin maximalists argue that you will stop pricing Bitcoin in dollars. You will just say this car is 0.645 Bitcoin, you know, because they think that it's going to be the exchange or the, uh, the currency of the world, potentially. Um, I am not so uh, confident in that. I think that there's tremendous potential that you end up with a multitude of currencies that are all being utilized for different transactions, especially by national regulations and things like that, because you're still going to have some governments that are suppressing the use of it, and you're going to have other governments that are embracing the use of it, um, in which case you'll have uh, preferred cryptocurrencies for America and preferred cryptocurrencies for China, or maybe no cryptocurrencies for China if they're a really totalitarian regime. So like, I don't buy the maximalist argument that like Bitcoin is going to be, it's, it's inevitable, it will win the day, and it will be the reserve currency of the world. I just don't buy it. Like there's, there was too many variables, there's too much uh, messiness to all this that could could throw a wrench in that, and I haven't even included you know catastrophic things like nuclear war or or having an EMP strike or any uh, you know sun flares that blows up all of our our, uh, our satellites. I mean, there's a ton of things that can happen, but it's it's a very interesting thing to think about. Okay, that makes sense. So there, we don't necessarily need a reserve currency. Like I don't think one- so. Yeah, I don't think that any one has to be. It's not Bitcoin is nice that there's a finite number of them, but that's, then of course that, you can break it down into inf, not infinite quadrants, but like what? How many? What's a satoshi? Like one one millionth of a Bitcoin, or one? I think I think one so, billionth yeah. of a Bitcoin, or something. So yeah. there are a finite number of also of satoshis. Yeah, yeah. The I finite mean, amount is nice. It's it. Yeah, the finite amount is nice, and and the fact that you know it's it's a number that people can like wrap their head around. They just go oh, twenty one million. That's that's what there is. Um, I think that that, you know, as a hard money guy, as someone who would prefer to see us have never left the gold standard, um, I think that this is the next evolution of of human creation and 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 uh, exchange of goods. And I'm I'm thrilled that there's so much, so many brilliant young minds that are involved in this space. I, it gives me a ton of hope that we're going to create really amazing, um, you know, innovations through this avenue, not just as a currency, which is basically all people talk about when it comes to cryptocurrency. But as you said, there's a bunch of other 
avenues with social media and things like that that's going to be really groundbreaking at this point it's so early on though i think a lot of people are expecting it to supplant the us dollar as a reserve currency and in short order um you know i hope that's the case but honestly even if it were i think it could create some knock-on effects that are really catastrophic so mm -hmm. i'm not sure that you want it to happen faster than it will naturally i'm, I'm into like the utility of crypto uh, I like with the mines token, for instance, is like uh, one token gets you a thousand views on mines. Yeah, I love it. it. So it's not just like Bitcoin doesn't have a utility yet that I know of. Uh, it's just a, a issue of value at this point. It doesn't you can't put it into something. I mean, some things I think Ecuador now is doing Bitcoin is there. Was it is it Ecuador? Is there no, central the currency? But it's still just a. In one of those countries, it's like a Central American country, but it's yes, still it just, it's just a token that doesn't have like another utility on top of it that I know of. And I don't want to speak out of turn because there might be, but it's the utility of these things that are really valuable. Like the library token allows you to host data. Mm -hmm. And so not only can you trade it for money, you can also use it for a, a, a utility. Well, yeah, well, I, I would imagine that you can also exchange Bitcoin for mines tokens. And, and so yeah, like for Ethereum and then Ethereum for mines tokens, like on MetaMask. Right. So I'm sure, I, I mean, there's, and I can, I can go buy a Tesla with Bitcoin. So like there's, utility oh, there, you know, so yeah. Well, utility is different than value. Value of, of like just buying something is different than actually being, in addition to being able to buy something with it, you can also get like a computational function with it. Like uh, if I, I could, if I could put a token into a wallet and then my lights turn on for a day, but I don't necessarily so that's different than spending the token. I guess it's different. It's a different type of spending it, I guess. I'm not, I'm not smart enough for this. Either. The SEC doesn't. Yeah, it's not a security, basically. It's utility. <laughs> I'm not smart enough for this. Either. Me neither, Kurt. But this is a, I'm the actor. I'm the performer of the group. You know, I know just enough to, to get by, to pretend like I know. Well, um, so tell me, tell me a little bit about what, where you see the Tim Cassirel show going. Are you guys, guys going to like... Is there any uh, additional evolutions to this to this game, or is it just kind of just keep keep grinding? I mean, they, you have to feel like your days on the the big YT are are numbered, um, just given how how oppressive they've gotten as of late. Uh, do you guys have any? I mean, I know you're already creating backup plans, and you have your um, your private mem membership stuff, and I'm sure you have Odyssey Channel and everything else like that. But do you guys mm -hmm. think about that stuff? I, I'd imagine yeah. you have to. We just had Jeremy, the founder of Library, on. A couple right. of weeks ago he's super cool man um yeah he's a friend of mine we, he's been on here too he's great and we're building out the metaverse basically as like a, a patreon where we don't there's no cut it's just a program you download and now you can host your own content and get your own subscribers without a central authority taking a cut so it's similar to timcast.com but it's more of a, an open source package that you can just use at will love it uh i love youtube the people at youtube i've had fantastic experience with them since 2006 I've never had a video taken down. I've always worked within the lines. Tim's really good at working within the lines. Um, I could see staying on YouTube for 40 more years, but I don't like censoring myself. If I don't yes. like, I, I really don't like it. I like being uncensored as fuck and saying whatever the fuck I want. It's good for society. Kids like it. Kids need to hear you speaking truth, like being yourself so that they can grow up and be themselves right. and make better and greater things. Um, so I try and bring like a fun like levity to the show because we talk about some dark shit like yes the, not the end of the world but like the end of the the system that we've been using for the last or at least the the transmutation of the system mm -hmm. and that can be that can be a hard thing to look at you know you stare into the abyss i think there's a nietzsche quote 
careful mm-hmm. that you stare at the abyss that you become the demon that you look at or whatever the fuck yeah that so you, like that you, you look at the darkness it. yeah yeah you see it long enough and then it starts to become you mm-hmm. so we got to watch out for that uh we're doing music with irl we're taking it on the road doing more live events i think is a big part of it awesome but IRL's a just kind of a talk show. I mean, well, IRL's a channel. That's the thing. It's yeah. uh, we've there have been different iterations. Like when Tim and Adam were doing the show, that was a show, and now there's a different show. Like it's like they did they had a show like Friends, and now there's a show like Seinfeld. But they're both on the same channel, so I think people think of it as like the same show, but it's they're different shows. Mm-hmm. The IRL channel is really cool. Uh, I love I, it. I yeah, I, love it. I think I, 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 I like mean talk I just. Shows. I, I really think that that it's so I mean, unfortunately, because of the censorship with YouTube, but which, by the way, apologies. Once again, I fucking said fuck so many times when I was on and <laughs> I almost got you guys demonetized and Tim was very upset with me. So I hope he's forgiven me. Um, but it's just I'm so accustomed to going on independent podcasts where we just don't worry about profanity and things like that, that I walked in there and I was just like, let's let it rip. I'm talking about the Federal Reserve. Fuck these people. you know? Yeah. And it's different than calling someone a fuck. And then right. saying, fuck, like saying, <laughs> like saying injunctives and like yelling out swear words is not a big deal ever. It's never been a problem. I've never been demonetized for it. Calling okay, someone names, even if it's like, what's up, white shirt, you know, like you, you calling someone a name is like, that's when it starts to seem aggro, I think. And when the admins are like, because I was an admin for years, like when you're like, oh, OK, is this a form of abuse? Oh, and then you, OK, but um, the alliteration of, of swear words is gorgeous. Yeah, I think it's Beautiful. fucking awesome. It's, Fuck it's real. Fauci. <laughs> it's real. It sells tickets. People want to come watch it. It, yeah. it, it, it can expand your vocabulary. It's it's also emotive. It allows people to feel the passion. Like it's it's an important human characteristic. And I just I hate that it's being suppressed. But um, I, for whatever reason, regardless, because I think it's because you guys have such amazing guests all the time, uh, but also because you guys are so good. It, you really you you still get into the meat of topics in a way that is really. Um, unique i mean you just you can't find it on other networks so in a way censoring yourself forces you to become creative with your words like i'll use like lately i think my new instead of saying that's bullshit i'm gonna say that's horse dewormer maybe maybe but it's hilarious i don't think like that's funny as fuck so you know necessity breeds creativity (laughs) <laughs> well, I'll get you out of here on this. Uh, you seem to me to be the type that um, that meditates. Is that is that a fair assumption? Yeah, dude. I was just having a lucid dream earlier. It was okay. awesome. So, did you have a lucid dream while meditating? No, I was, I was like sleeping, and then I realized okay. I was having a lucid dream, and I was trying to command it, but it wasn't working because I was there was a dog barking outside, and uh, I kept I kept being reminded of this the real world, so it kept kind of like diminishing my ability to twist the dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think it will help in silence. Um, I love clearing my mind. That was part of making YouTube videos was these, this experiment of like telling my, my secrets. I, I decided to kind of become humiliate myself in public, basically like mm-hmm. humble. They say being humble is important. So that's humility is like humiliation. So I started to humiliate myself by telling my secrets. And all of a sudden, you know, how I didn't get these like thoughts jump into my head anymore. I used to get like, I'd be, I'd be sitting there and all of a sudden I'd have like a, a random thought would come into my head and it would be like a seat, something from like when I was seven years old would, would come. So I started just telling everything that was coming, not maybe not everything, but a lot of stuff that was coming in my head. And then I started getting less and less jumbled thoughts. And then mm-hmm. I started to get, figure out how to have no thought and mm-hmm. just have like a clear head, a clear mind. So it helped with listening. 
and um, meditation. And then I started to experiment with thinking words instead of saying them as a Mm -hmm. form of communication. Like I would Mm -hmm. say, hello, friend. Good to see you. And it's so, and that had another effect because it's like a form of body language communication. And I'm wondering like, is it psychic? Is it like, am I hijacking the, the collective consciousness? And so I started to experiment with that. And then I do like, I'd repeat it. Like you're healthy. I would think it like twice. And I got into numerology a little bit. Like what happens if I think you're healthy twice and then say it the third time and then think it the fourth time, what happens if I think it three times and then say it the fourth time, what happens if I think it five times and then say it twice and then think it the eighth time. And I'd be like experimenting with, and I found that like, it's kind of like dropping a stone in a pond. You think it once and the ripples go out. If you think it over and over again, it's like dropping more stones and then it get, you get all this interference. Mm-hmm. But so if you really want an impactful thought, you, you have the thought once and then you have no thought. Mm-hmm. And you, it seems like it, the, it permeates reality like at a lower, a lower frequency than v- words. Words are a higher frequency form of communication. And yeah. with video and radio, we've, we've used technology to transmit high frequency communication which is very powerful, but I do believe we can transmit low frequency communication as well uh, with or without technology with or without radio and TV. Um, and maybe that's part of the evolution of our species that we need some sort of like coherence in our, in our thoughts. Hmm. If you look at like the, uh, what is it? The Schumann resonance. Have you ever studied that thing? No. It's like this, this band of low frequency. Uh, what is it? ELF, the ELF frequency, extremely low frequency, or the ELF, I guess you would say it's a band in like the stratosphere of, uh, I don't know if it's, it's like a radio frequency or something. And um, in times of great, like human struggle, the, the Schumann resonance will spike mm. and you'll see like these weird collective like experiences, like a hurricane. And then you'll see the Schumann resonance will spike. So I wonder if, if we're more in touch with that and in control of other people's thoughts Wow. Uh, by, yeah, that might be because what happened was I was doing it a lot and it, it became very antisocial. People were like, it was really weird. Like I would imagine anyone that tries to do something new like that with a species would get ostracized and they'd be like, he's weird. Get him out of here. So I lost a lot of people like old friends didn't understand. And they were like, you're, you're weird now. I don't get it. But <laughs> so I stopped doing it and then shit hit the fan and everything started to fall apart. And I'm like, am I supposed to be doing this now? Am I supposed to like let myself become this transient butterfly that becomes ostracized and pariahed by society or, and if I don't, that I'm just going to watch it all fall apart. Oh, but I, so I decided not to, I haven't really been doing it lately yeah. and man, I feel like I don't have, like I'm out of control sometimes. Wow. I think about going back into it, but I think it would take more, maybe more psychedelics or something. Yeah, I think so too. Like oh, a life I, of psychedelics. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it took me an hour, but I got the great Ian Crossland rant out of you. That was Kurt, fucking awesome. Oh, that was epic dude. <laughs> that was awesome I, the, these are the things that I, I love you know people can call you weird i think you're fucking i i like weird people i like people that think differently i think that that's like that is what actually pushes the envelope that is what helps uh you know humanity evolve a perfect example there's like there's these these concepts um known as con- concurrent creation or innovation where you have um you know these really earth-shattering groundbreaking technologies that evolve basically on you know two different parts of the planet simultaneously and that's that shit just doesn't happen by chance like there is there is something going on with um and and i'm talking pre-internet so this was not like oh you know i saw it on social media i came up with the same idea at the same time these are like different cultures coming up with uh, similar ideas that were 
groundbreaking at the same time. So I, I think that there is something we tap into. And I think it's, it's very foolhardy to, to just dismiss that notion as like, oh, that's woo-woo nonsense. I yeah, think it's, have, it's probable. Have you seen the uh, 100th monkey theory? I, no, I don't this think so. Interesting kind of anecdotal. I think it was an experiment that where they found these monkeys on an island and uh, they, one of the monkeys on the island started getting the sweet potatoes that they were all eating and taking it down to the water and washing it. And then started showing the other monkeys on the island how to wash the sweet potatoes. So all these monkeys on the island start doing it. And after about a hundred monkeys were, were washing their sweet potatoes, a monkey on another island far away, there you not, go. I don't know, pretty, started washing their sweet potatoes. Yeah. Anecdotal, I think, but very interesting. Yeah. I mean, of course what you were just saying. Yeah. I, I really think that that's, that's probably how there's some aspect of human evolution or, or evolution of creatures period um that there's some sort of knowledge base that's outside of us you know whether it's the dream realm if it's another universe or uh you know multi-dimensional who, who knows anyways uh ian it was an absolute pleasure please tell the people where they can find you oh who do you have on tonight first i don't know or do you remember i never <laughs> don't, know don't even don't worry check. about it yeah i don't know until <laughs> i get there i love it <laughs> so iancarlson.net any any other uh contacts you like yeah to you can follow my youtube channel um and uh hit me up on twitter or mines and then of course timcast irl which is also a youtube channel boom Dude. really appreciate your time good man you, this conversation was just as good as i expected that was epic if you want to support this show go to libertylockdown.locals.com become a supporting member of that page there it helps to grow the show it helps to advertise the show and it helps to eventually get a live in-person studio just like timcast irl but for the libertarian sphere big shout out to everybody that's been with me since jump street appreciate y'all Welcome to Liberty Lockdown, please scan your barcode, your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold, where did it come from and where did it go, it requires a fight, not tweet from your phone, don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne, if you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home, the virus is scared of, will come and it'll go, the government knows, just don't get treated like a hoe, like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening, scared Hollywood left these lyrical feminine, a typo with Luke might bring the nooses, we all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses, freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit, knew I was a patriot, but now I'm the shit. Peter Quinones, invite me on Which podcaster sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions of Liberty, now hear me roar Beat running up, but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house No malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit I went over BLM with the fire I spit Friends against government just call us fags Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Liable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky's Mouton was the only sound Getting so hot must be air July Screaming in the mic and rip for 59 Miles to ratio that black guns matter Now all these lefties got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war but we're ready You know I be bopping and rock steady Liberty lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home The virus is scared of, will come and it'll go The government knows, just don't get treated like a hoe